Hey, good morning, my friends. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Regen. And welcome to this, uh, this is the fourth Sunday of the Easter season. Remember, Easter wasn't just a one-day thing, but rather in the liturgical calendar, we spread this out over an entire season, yeah? And then actually, in a sense, every Sunday is supposed to be a mini-Easter, a resurrection Sunday. And, but for this actual season, we are exploring... We're exploring various encounters that folks had with the risen Christ. And if you notice, most of those encounters have taken place when? They've taken place on, the author will say, on that very day, on that same Easter Sunday. So remember we explored Mary at the tomb, right? Don't cling to me, Jesus said, right? Don't cling to me, Jesus said, but embrace the new possibilities of resurrection. And then Andrew took us a little bit forward to the uh, lakeside in that first Easter brunch. But then last week we went back to the story of the Emmaus Road in Luke. Again, that was on that same Easter Sunday where two disciples recognized Christ in the breaking of the bread. Then they reflected back on their encounter with Christ and their hearts were burning within. Thus they ran back to the holy city and they found the others in the Jerusalem upper room, which is where we're going to be today. We're still on that first Easter Sunday, still in that same upper room, and while the events of what we're going to talk about today in John 20, 19, this would have been the same time those two disciples on the Emmaus Road were on their journey back. I have a feeling that these were the experiences that were happening to the upper room, and then as the Emmaus disciples come back, then they're joined together. We've seen the risen Lord. Then these guys are like, we did too. So let's pray and then we'll, uh, and we'll dig in. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we ask this Easter season, this season of resurrection, that you would give us new eyes with which to see resurrection possibilities in our midst. We pray for new ears, to hear your word. We pray for new hearts to line up more with your more sacred heart. And we pray for new hands and new feet as the body of Christ so that way we can engage the world this week. That way we may be able to take the liturgy, the service of this morning into the liturgy or the service of our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday and on and on. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, so if you're following along, we are going to be in John's gospel this morning. We're going to be in John's writing, chapter 20. You can see it up on the screens behind me, John 20. And just a few short verses. uh, We're going to start in verse 19. And John starts by saying, therefore being that day. Remember, what is he talking about? He's talking about that first Easter Sunday. We're four weeks away from our celebration of Easter, but this is still the first, re- this, is the, this is the reality of that first Easter Sunday for these disciples. That day, the first of the week, and the doors having been shut, where the disciples were on account of fear, of panic or terror of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, saying, Eiderine, Hymen, peace, or oneness, quietness, or rest to you. 
And saying this, he made known to them both his hands and the side of his body. Then the disciples rejoiced. Idontes, having seen with their mind's eye the Lord. Therefore Jesus was saying to them again, Irene, I men, peace or oneness, quietness rest to you. As the Father has sent me forth, I also send you to go. And having said this, he breathed into them. Jesus breathed into them and said to them, Receive. Take a hold of the holy, of the holy, sacred, or set-apart breath and spirit. If any of you send away the amartias, the sins or the missed marks of any, they're sent away, they're released. Yet if you obtain them, you take hold of them for yourselves, they are obtained. There's this one phrase that popped up multiple times here, Irene, amen. Irene, amen, peace to you, Jesus says. I think these are words that we all long to hear, yeah? Peace to you, quietness, oneness, rest. In the Hebrew, shalom, that place where all things are as they should be. Because it feels like a much of our existence, or, you know, I can only speak from my own experience, but it seems like a lot of our existence is searching for peace, searching for quietness, searching for rest, that shalom that Paul says transcends human understanding. True peace that we feel in here because we entrust it in here. On that first Easter Sunday, we see many of Jesus' disciples all huddled in a room. John writes that the doors were shuttered, right? They were afraid. This word phobone, fear, think of phobia, fear, fear, terror, panic. Because for that first Easter Sunday, it wasn't about Easter bonnets and, and, egg, and egg hunts and beautiful flowers. For these disciples, that first Easter Sunday was about zero peace. There was no quietness, there was no rest in the holy city for them. Just like the Emmaus disciples, they had seen their leader killed. They'd seen their leader destroyed, their hopes and their dreams now just shattered, disillusioned as now his body is gone. And to be honest with you, even though he told them that his body would rise again, they probably caused more panic and fear that his body was gone not being able to see him marry, right? I want to find his body. Please just tell me where you put it so we can bury him respectfully with the right spices and the right perfumes. But just like last week, right, two disciples were on the road to Emmaus. These other disciples, while they're shuttered behind locked doors, even though they're trying to get away from everything, Christ comes to them, right? Peace comes to them right through those shuttered doors. Christ has a very present reality in their midst. You see, God isn't waiting around for these disciples to understand right doctrine before he can meet them. 
God isn't waiting around for them to fine-tune all their various atonement theories of the cross. He's not even waiting for them to fully understand all the events that Luke records that have taken place during Holy Week before he meets them and brings them into his full presence. He doesn't wait for them to quote-unquote get it before he brings them his peace. Think about even Thomas. We're going to explore Thomas next week. Simply, he says, peace to you where you're at. And he says, the Father has sent me just as I now send you. And this is such an interesting thing that Christ does. He's breathing life now. And he is breathing atonement, that at-one-ment into their very souls and says, receive my very breath. Take a hold of my spirit, my pneuma, right? My spirit and my breath. That's now becoming the air in your very lungs. Receive my sacred and set-apart spirit. On this first Easter Sunday, from Mary at the garden to the road of Emmaus, and now even into these locked doors, these shuttered doors, a new creation is being shepherded in through the risen Christ. The Spirit of Christ is once again, just as in the beginning, think back of Genesis, right? The beginning, breathing life into our very nostrils with words of peace and quietness, and rest. And my friends, this is gospel. This is good news, right? That Christ is once again breathing life into our very being as well, filling us with his peace, filling us with his quietness, his rest, his at-oneness or atonement with the divine. Remember, Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you Yet this holy and peaceful breath, this rest, this oneness and this spirit wasn't only for these few people who were shuttered behind these closed doors. This hydrine amen, right? This, uh, this, like, uh, this, this, this peace that I give to you, this breathing that Jesus did into the very beings and the souls of his friends and his disciples wasn't for a few select people to cling tightly to. And then to stay within those hidden doors, behind those closed doors, and just sitting in there rejoicing permanently within the four walls of a room. But rather this spirit and this peace that was found within that room that day was to be breathed into all of creation. Because notice what, what Jesus says here. He goes, as the Father has sent me, I also send. Did you pick up what's that one word? You. You as in those in the upper room, yeah. But then you as in you. And you. And you. And you. And you. The point of the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit through the breath of Christ, this is what N.T. Wright says about this encounter. He says the point of receiving this holy breath is so that they can do in and for the whole cosmos 
what Jesus had been doing all along. Wow. The point of them receiving that breath was so that way they could do in and for the cosmos what Jesus had been doing all along. And this is what Christ's disciples have been called to ever since. This is why the message of Christ and the reality of his presence, of his at one his atonement, his peace, his salvation, his gospel, his good news, has had such stain power. Think about it. Why is it that we're reading through these stories all these years later? Why do we still gather in a Bible class before this service contemplating and wrestling with the mysteries of these particular stories? Why are we in this room today when this is stuff that happened such a long time ago? Because that breath, that peace, that at-oneness with God that these disciples experienced through Christ, it changed the very essence of who they were. It changed their lives, not just in a figurative sense like, hey, I know who Christ is, but literally changed the very way that they viewed everything around them. These encounters with the risen Christ that we're talking about this season changed the very ways in which they served and interacted with the divine. And these encounters with the risen Christ changed the very ways in which they noticed and served one another. One another in that upper room, right? The beginnings of what we call the church, as well as going out of those doors and noticing and serving all those they came in contact with. And then go into the book of Acts, right? Over the years, others began to encounter this same Christ. Just as in these Easter stories, they encountered this same breath, this same peace, this same atonement, only this time it wasn't through Jesus himself physically walking through the world, but it was through those who called themselves followers of the way. You see, Christian is really at its core means little Christ. You see, others began to follow in the way, the truth and the life, or in the way, the reality and the life. This life and this reality that burst through in resurrection. Right? Resurrection where all things are possible, thus breathing that same breath back into the new creation that Jesus is ushering in. This is why people like John wrote these accounts down and again why we wrestle with their mysteries today. Because salvation and life, salvation here, life here in the now, and also life in the future in the name of Christ is encountering the true peace found in the garden that was first breathed into our nostrils. Where Yahweh looked and said, it is very good. That oneness with the divine, filled with the spirit and the very breath of God. Yet just as we can't physically hold our breath without exhaling eventually. I know some of us can hold our breath for a very long time. But eventually we have to breathe back out. This breath of Christ's atonement, 
this breath of Christ at oneness and of his peace is to be exhaled by us back into the world, filling our communities with that same peace, that same oneness, that same quietness and rest that Jesus fought the powers of death to bring. That quote by N.T. Wright continues, he goes, the long story of God and Israel has now reached its climax in Christ. Now the salvation that he has brought to Israel is to come from these men and women, only now out into the wider world. And his disciples are to start the process of taking it out there. Do you see what he's saying here? That we are to be breathing out the very things that Christ's ethos was all about. We're to be breathing out that same compassion, that same forgiveness, that same humility that we talked about in our Bible class this morning. Just as a songwriter or a composer achieves beauty through, through lyric and melody, it takes an orchestra, right? It takes multiple people to then bring that into its fullest fruition, or an architect can design a beautiful building on paper, but it takes skilled craftspeople to put it all together to implement their design. Christ promised that his followers would be able to do greater things than him. Why? Because there's more of us. There's a greater in number, not greater in kind, but greater in number. There's more of us to spread this around. You see, now we have become the incarnate body of Christ. We now have become the incarnate body of Christ that's called to resurrect our homes. Resurrect ourselves, resurrect our homes, and resurrect our communities with his peace. One of my favorite quotes of all time, um, nobody really knows where this quote came from, but it's been attributed to the same person we talked about in our Bible study, St. Teresa of Avila, Spanish uh, nun, reformer nun back in the early 1500s. And she says, it's foolish to think of entering into the heavens without first entering into ourselves through the Spirit of Christ. Doug, there you are. That was your cue. <laughs> she says this because, I love this quote so much, Christ has no body now but yours. And she's talking to us. Christ has no physical body on this earth but yours. She goes, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world because Christ, and she finishes up, has no body on earth but yours. Just as the Father has sent me, I now send you to be my body. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to contemplate this body that now exists through Christ on earth. We're going to contemplate our bodies, the various members of our bodies, how we 
connect to this world, but then also our collective body as the body, right? Paul talks about us being members of a body, not members as in, as in like a social club, but members and as my arm is a member of this body, my head is a member of this body, my heart is a member, my feet are members. We're going to contemplate the body of Christ as the body of Christ before we feast on the body of Christ. How's that? We're going to contemplate the body of Christ as the body of Christ before we feast on the body of Christ. I'll lead yourself, make yourself comfortable. Again, as always, I don't see anyone here that's you know terribly new, so we don't have to explain everything, but just notice your breath. If you're watching on, online, it's your first time to simply notice your breath. You don't have to seek to control it. Just notice that that same breath that Christ breathed into creation, Christ then breathed again into his disciples. That same word, ruach and pneuma, Hebrew and Greek for spirit, wind, and breath is coursing in and out of your lungs at this very moment. Gracious God, we know we need not summon you into our midst, for you are already here. And so we simply ask that you allow us to notice your presence. Notice your spirit that is as close as the air we breathe. With whatever is going on in our life, we bring our whole selves before you now. We ask for your guidance. We ask that as we examine our bodies, both individual and collective, you would reveal to us who we are, not who we think we ought to be. Help us to be still and know to truly know that we are in your presence and that we are your beloved sons and daughters, that you listen to us in love. Please speak, Lord, for your children are listening. Now for yours, no hands, no feet on earth, yours yours are the eyes with which he sees yours are the feet with which he walks you are the hands with which he blesses all the world yours are the hands so let's bring our mind's eye to our own hands Loving God, here are my hands. What do you want me to create or build today? Who have you put before me that you want me to serve? What activities should I keep my hands away from? Oh God, may these small hands build up your kingdom. Has nobody now. 
Yours are the hands with which He blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Now let's focus on our feet. Loving God, here are my feet. Where do you want me to go this week? Into what spaces do you want these feet to walk and take me so that I can be of service to you and those around me? May these often slow and stumbling feet enter into the places that you desire. Christ has nobody now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth. Let's bring our attention to our eyes. Loving God, here are my eyes. What do you want me to see this week? What do you want my eyes to focus on so that I can be aware of what's happening before my very being? What do you want my eyes to avoid? May these blurry eyes notice your presence in my every moment this week. Christ has no contemplate our ears. Loving God, here are my ears. What do you want me to listen to this week? How can my hearing help notice the truth of your kingdom? May these often hard of hearing ears help me to listen and to follow in your ways. Here is my voice, here is my mouth. I commit to only speak words of life today. Words that build up, words that do not tear down. Please help me to be a voice for the voiceless. Please show me when to stay quiet. Oh God, may my voice make this world more like you've made it to be. Christ has nobody now but Oh, yeah. 
final time, perhaps, if you feel comfortable putting your hands over your soul, your heart, our nefesh, as the psalmist writes, that inner being or the core of who we are. Loving God, here is my heart. You know the deepest longings of my heart. I humbly hold this heart out before you as you declare your glory and show forth your handiwork in the heavens and in the earth. Deliver us, O God, in our various occupations from the service of self alone, that we may do the work for your kingdom that you give us to do in truth and in beauty and for the common good. For the sake of him who came among us as one who serves, your son Jesus Christ our Lord, even as we pray together, our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.